And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch. From growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, entrepreneurship, uh, Amazon in the marketplaces, holistic commerce, you name it. Today, we're going to be talking about specifically e-commerce elevated innovative retail tech. And before I get into kind of why we chose that title and who here as today's guest, before I make that introduction, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Andrew Lip, another great name. Uh, we were talking about whether to call him Drew or Andrew. Um, hailing from Australia. Thank you for being up so early for this podcast and welcome to the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're going to get you woke up for the day. We've got a Friday here. It's, a, it's a Cinco de Mayo here in the U.S., and, uh, you know, we celebrate at least here I, where I am here in the Midwest, um, you know, they've got streets blocked off and uh, there's a there's a big Mexican culture here. So uh, it's a big party and, and you're it's your Friday there. So we're going to have some fun with it and treat it like a Friday episode um, before we get into exactly like EQL, your company EQL and what you guys do in regards to tech and retail and e-com. Let's talk a little bit about your story. Um you know, like where you got started, where you got the entrepreneurial bug, like how you got into e-commerce. Um, but but before that, like who who's Andrew? How did you become a marketer? Um, let, let, let's let's start where your story begins and you you start wherever you'd like. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. Um, so, you know, I'm a I'm an 80s baby um, okay. and I grew up on on sneakers. Jordan was playing in the NBA. I used to collect comic books. You know, but back back in those days, and I sound like I'm like a hundred years old, but no, no, um, no. You, you know, if you wanted if you wanted a pair of sneakers, you know, you had to have your parents had to have friends in Australia at least. Your parents had to have friends that were going to the US from this, for this big trip in the eighties. Okay, okay. And you put and you put in your request, right? You put in this, you know, I'd love a pair of this or I'd love a pair of that because all that stuff didn't exist in Australia. Like, we just couldn't get our hands on it. Um, and so my parents would have a friend that would go overseas and they'd come back, they'd bring me this, you know, pair pair of sneakers or comic books, whatever. But sneakers were the main thing and i'd get them and you know i'd actually put them like just sitting really nicely on the floor in my bedroom and i'd put my nightlight spotlight on them and i'd i kind of make them look amazing and i'd fall asleep looking at them that was that was kind of that was kind of my thing right yeah and um you know and ever since then i've been um into sneakers trying to get my hands on them likewise uh basketball cards back then as i said i used to collect a whole bunch of comic books but i was kind of like really into that zeitgeisty culture kind of cartoony nba sneaker yeah. stuff. um as time ticked on you know i got older um and you know maybe in my my early 20s um i was still in but i kind of came a little bit out of it because i was a bit disenfranchised by what was going on you couldn't get the things you wanted i started to see resale kicking off in a big way i just didn't know how to how to access and started to become disenfranchised with with that whole kind of world um 
I, I, um, I've been a marketer now for ooh, 15 years or so. My career started right. in advertising at BBDO. Um, I was at Google for nine years in, in brand and performance marketing before I kicked okay. off Equal. And, and, it, and it's called Equal. Everyone calls it EQL. I need to, as a brand guy, I probably should, I mean, that, that should have been a thing I saw at the beginning, but I didn't. Um, so, so it's called Equal, the idea of, you know, fair access. Um, but anywho, um, at Google, and again, still into sneakers, but totally disenfranchised by this by this stage. I was like, uh, you know, there was a launch. It was an Addy shoe, Adidas shoe. I went actually to line up to get it. Um, and keeping in mind, you know, I've got three children. You know, I work full time. Lining up is hard for the day. You know, jumping online at night is really hard when you're trying to get drops. But um, <clears throat> two things happened to me. I, I lined up for the day and then I missed out. I was like the last or the second last person, you know, that, that, that missed out. They didn't get it. <clears throat> didn't get it and I saw all these folks in front of me and all they were doing was like they were getting access to the sneaker they were just taking a photo putting it on eBay and I was standing there watching the eBay listings coming up on my phone right while I was waiting in that line trying to trying to get the sneaker and I thought like I'm a fan like I'm absolutely a fan of these sneakers right so is there a way that a fan can get fairer access because I'm certainly not and my friends are certainly certainly not um and so I started to think you know like there's a world here where Brands like Nike, Adidas, any high heat, and it goes well beyond sneakers. You know, especially in the sports world, it's all about fairness. Like everyone's an athlete and, and, and you know, we should get our products into hands of real fans. It's one, one wedge of commerce where, where real fans aren't necessarily given a fair access, right? Um, and, and, that, and that's the nature of a lucrative resale market, right? Is you do get folks, you know, doing really interesting things to get their hands on high volumes to resell and folks like myself or anyone else misses out on it and it becomes frustrating. Um, and then shortly after that, I was actually online for this Nike um, Stranger Things collaboration that launched a few years back. And there was this retail store that was doing a, a, a high heat drop and um, I was on the site, thought I got it in cart, kept credit card debited, awesome, went to go pick it up. Um, and when I went into the retail store, they had no recollection of my transaction no reference to it right there was nothing they could give me and i said why why does that happen and they said well um you know we must have oversold and what happens in in this world of high heat is sites crash because there's an absolute frenzy um folks that want to resell clear out inventory um payments happen all at the one time and everything goes out of sync you have something in your cart someone steals it accidentally you think you transacted they think they transacted you have no idea where the inventory went um and then ultimately, it's a uh, real fans don't get their hands on products. Uh, and the thing for retailers is it's an operational nightmare. They're picking through the rubble for weeks or months, um, trying to get their hands on, on these things. So I've got a marketing kind of skew, as I said, like I'm a, I'm a brand lover. Um, I'm, a, I'm a consumer lover. Um, and I also just think about how do you solve problems? Um, I think mar about marketing, you know, marketing is really about how do you connect with the user to solve problems in the right way that reaches them and makes them feel something and makes them behave different and how do you ultimately change their behavior? Mm. And so combining that kind of insight and the passion for the consumer, which was me in that instant, I was thinking, how can some of the biggest brands in the world actually deliver these types of experiences in a better way? Um, and that was kind of how Equal was born. And I can go through the origin story and I feel like I probably didn't answer any of your questions there. Um, no, it was I, actually great. And I see like kind of how you, at least how you came up with the idea of equal, uh, you know, from a passion of being a consumer yourself and saying, Hey, these are, this is a bad experience. Um, you know, for me, I've built 
uh, Marknology. One, it's my name is not Mark. And so not everyone gets that now that I'm, you know, nine years into learning exactly uh, how people take the name. But for me, e-commerce was in the middle of marketing and technology. And so it was Marknology. I used to, when I was an e-commerce manager, I used to schedule something uh, between two departments, the marketing and technology team. I call it the Marknology Lunch. You know, Makes so sense. as an e-commerce guy, I was in the middle um, but I'm Drew, I'm not Mark. Uh, so, you know, that, that causes some problems sometimes. Um, but you know, I solved it. Like it came from a passion of one, I'm a problem solver. I love solving problems. Mm. Like if, if I'm anything, it's probably just a problem solver, whether it's e-commerce or friendships or anything like I'm, I'm trying to solve the problems. Uh, and you know, I, as I was an e-commerce manager full time and started freelancing on the side because I saw that there was nobody helping any of these brands on Amazon, no one really helping them succeed, no one really showing them the ropes. Um, I built Marknology from a place of wanting to just provide a better service and help people. And uh, I loved selling. I loved, you know, I got um, enamored with the idea of being able to put stuff online and then see the sell. Like you were talking about the sneakers on eBay. I definitely started on eBay. I hit my first million on eBay with uh, car parts. So oh, it wow. was, uh, I was taking like a trailer hitch, a trailer ball, a trailer lights, doing all of the work for the consumer and essentially saying like, you have a 2008 Toyota Sienna van. This is the kit that you need. I, yeah. Yeah, I've done all the work for you and I put it into Photoshop and like, you know, and it was, um, yeah, I had the bug there, but um, I 100% understand what you're saying. And something that's like really, I used to be, I'm, you know, from a very poor family, didn't have a lot, didn't spend a lot, uh, conservative kind of mindset. There's a lot of shows I didn't go to or things I didn't get because I either couldn't be in line because I was working or at school or I couldn't afford it or I couldn't yeah. pay the reseller price. And I will say that now in my 30s, I'm literally like my late 30s <clears throat> having fun now, having more fun now because I can actually afford to pay for the tickets even if I can't get them when they first come out. Totally. You know, the, the thing is, um, everyone's got their passions, right? Like consumers have their passions and like you do with the bands you like, and I'm, I'm, you know, and, and the thing that happens around these e-com transactions that we play around with is, is their frenzies because the passion is inherent. It's built into people, right? The thing they really love. And, and you've, you've touched it, um, whether it's concert tickets, right? Like whether you love Drake, Taylor Swift, right? And you want to get your hands on those those tickets, right? And you've listened to Taylor Swift for the last 10 years, right? Should you have a better chance of getting access than someone else? Probably, right? Um, whether you're, you know, a passionate Kobe Bryant fan, right? Uh, um, like, you know, the, 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 there's one thing about um, should you have a better chance and like we can park that for a second, but there's one thing about should you have fair access, right? And And you should have fair access. And these moments, um, when you think about the type of e-commerce we play in, which is scarce commerce or hype commerce or in-demand commerce, is all the behaviours and all the, all the reactions are driven by the utmost passion for a thing you love in that moment that you want more than anything else. And you will have blinkers on as that opportunity to get your hands on that thing arises. Um, and for us, that was really what was driving our, our thinking and like the, the creation of this idea is getting products into the hands of real fans um, and solving for the problems that ensue or that exist when you've got 100,000, 200,000 of those same people 
and a portion of them trying to kind of capitalize on buying inventory to resell, but that frenzy happens at the one time. So that emotional kind of outlet all is channeled to this one moment in e-commerce, right? And how do you solve for that? Um, and I think if you think about our commerce like that, it's like an energy, it's a frenzy, it's an expression, it's an emotion, all channeled into that one transaction experience. You can think about with you, you know, with, with your e-commerce hat on, how that is not like any behavior seen in e-commerce. Yeah, and I think there's something even as a marketer that's like perplexing that is just um, the successfulness or like of a drop. So there's yeah. a lot of brands that just do drops. They're not available after that. Like you're getting them is kind of scarcity mindset, like get it now or it's gone. Uh, as humans, like we naturally kind of gravitate toward that, right? It's like, if I don't get it right now, like, you know, FOMO, I'm not going to have it. Like exactly. they're building that hype. And that's a marketing strategy that I like. I mean, I think it's like, get it while it's hot or like you won't have it. We're moving on to the next design. It's kind of like fast fashion in some ways, but also not because, you know, the kiths and, um, you know, like I've got a hoodie from Kith that's, uh, it's a fear of God, uh, yeah. hoodie and, um, and it's, uh, the monarchs, KC monarchs. So in Kansas yeah. city where I'm from, we have the first, like, you know, we had the first, uh, Negro league, uh, baseball team and it was something that we're very proud of, like for having that first team and, and they're called the monarchs, the KC monarchs. And then Kith did a drop of that. And I already was a fan of Kith and I'm like, look, I'm getting that hoodie just because it's like they're literally repping Kansas City, my favorite, like, you know, New York brand or whatever. I'm getting yeah. it, you know? And uh, so I understand that, like, uh, uh, I got to I got to grab it. I got to grab it. And and uh, my, my mentor, actually, uh, if you've read his book, One Million Dollar Bedroom, is actually the founder of Full Scale and the founder of the Startup Hustle podcast. Yeah. Um, in his book, he talks about his first business was a ticket brokerage. Right. So he yeah. was the reseller hacker guy that we yeah. hate uh, in a way, right? <laughs> like, you know, and uh, I benefited because uh, since I've known him, I get access to all types of things and tickets totally. and whatever. But but he was the guy that was figuring that out mm. um, because you can't, can't necessarily like take up 30 spots in a line if you go to GameStop for the new game drop. That's right. right. Like, like That's I, right. at least how I grew up, like for my favorite games, like I, Age of Empires or Close Combat yeah. or something, yeah. I was like, in line to get that game there's no way i was going to miss it like because yeah. that was going to be hundreds of hours of gameplay for me probably yeah. totally. uh, but you can't you can't buy 40 by like standing in line there's limits per customer there's, there's things like that so i'm honestly interested i think like the rest of our listeners to just kind mm. of hear like how equal works and like you know yeah. what that platform looks like yeah totally so so maybe maybe i'll kind of tell you how we came because it'll it'll tell you how Please, yeah because we, i think we, we stopped at well. we stopped yeah. at like your passion and we stopped at like you know where you had worked you'd worked at google yeah. uh worked a lot of these companies with performance marketing like something i know you know quite a bit about on the amazon yeah. side i understand like driving sales and things like that this seems like yeah. something a little bit completely different in, in a way yeah yeah it is it is so you know we, we started so there were, there were three of us actually at google i was there for, for nine years in um, brand marketing on the cloud side so the infrastructure side of google um and i was in performance marketing when i initially started there my, my two founders patrick he was a principal engineer at google and he worked on also cloud and infrastructure and gaming so his skill is kind of infrastructure so how does it how does it scale um but then gaming 
interacting, you know, capitalizing on moments, driving emotion. Um, yeah. And then James, our third founder, he's our chief revenue officer. Um, James, James is in the ad retail sales side. So he was actually helping retail brands across Australia think about how to um, spend their ad dollars on, on Google. Um, myself and James, sneaker fans by trade, as, as I touched on earlier, both into, you know, into um, the category, both disenfranchised by how it was tracking. Patrick, our, our um, CTO um, and very, very wise engineer, barely wears shoes when he codes usually, but he was really enamored by the tech challenges that exist in these moments, right? And you touched on that um, from a marketing perspective, but the fascinating thing that happens in these in these moments is that you you yeah, whether it's a, a marketer or a product person spends all this like innovation and energy on creating this amazing collaboration or this very cool product, right? And what happens usually is um, everyone wants it. They go into a frenzy. Sites often crash. Um, bots and scammers come in and clear out high volumes of infantry. Um, payments and order management systems go out of sync, and real friends don't get their hands on the products they love. Um, but what also happens is operationally, it's an absolute nightmare for retailers and they pick through the rubble of the chaos for months. Oh, do we oversell? Did we undersell? Do we put the inventory back on the warehouse, uh, back in the warehouse? Do we put it back on shelves? If we put it back on shelves, does that look like it was like an exciting product? Um, you've got angry consumers who couldn't get the thing that they wanted right then and there. And they're screaming from the top of the buildings and like, dusting off their Facebook logins to, you know, to scream about it to, you know, to their friends, um, right? And and the other thing you find also as a marketer is the product you spend so much money and time and energy and passion on building, it fell off a cliff when the moment was to actually sell it and it doesn't get the ceremony it deserves. And we kind of felt that e-com today is not built to manage the heat. And there are not tools that help retailers maximize that moment, understand who wanted to buy, capture all the interest, build a better brand experience. So we thought, is there a world where we could create hype commerce as a service or like scarce commerce as a service? Could you create a platform as a layer that sits on top of your e-com stack that does all that stuff, scales when the time is right so we can manage the frenzy, does a lot of you know signaling around who is trying to buy and what kind of techniques they're using and um, to understand are they a real fan or are they behaving like a bot, right? And should we start upweighting and downweighting to hopefully sell to real fans first? And then we thought, can you make payments more accurate and have high pull through? So high frequency of payments happening in succession really quickly without without going out of sync. And as I'm going to pause that, you right there oh, yeah. just for a second because something sure. I didn't share was my first job when I left being uh, a musician in a band touring, uh, used my degree. Uh, I went from serving like bartending for seven years to working at MasterCard uh, in a knock. So, uh, you know, my first year in the professional world using my degree was like where 40, 50 year olds are there, very professional, like you yes. know, networking guys and um, was literally in uh, responsible for managing the networks from um, a lot of overseas um, countries, uh, banking, right? So Australia, India, Philippines, uh, Brazil, uh, you know, these were my shifts, uh, so to speak. And I'd be watching Banks of America and anyone using MasterCard, essentially. Uh, but we would see some of this kind of, uh, just for like a little bit of insight, some some fun insight. It was like, you know, in these high traffic economy zones like Brazil or these places yeah. where e-commerce, this was 10 years plus ago, you know, so 
um, everything was slower at the time, but we would see these big bottlenecks for transactions, totally. you know, and it was a major problem. It could have been yeah. a Walmart and not necessarily an e-commerce store during a hype boss, but yeah. like we were MasterCard, we were stepping in trying to, oh, how do we process all of these? It became like a huge issue. So on the transaction side, I definitely yeah. saw that. Yeah. You know, you got to think about, you got to think about these moments as hot paths. Basically, how we build the tech is is based on hot paths, right? You got to know when there's going to be bottlenecks, and you got to think about actually how do you unlock the bottleneck quickly, in a moment to then kind of to then lift that gate and move on to the next bottleneck. Um, so the way we build the tech from the ground up is built for for hype or or scarcity. It assumes that you're going to get a ton of traffic, right? Like insane amount of traffic wanting to do a whole bunch of things, put in their credit card details, authenticate that credit card, authenticate themselves, you know. Um, so so it is built, you know, really differently to how, how commerce today is, is, is built. Just for, um, just for fun, yeah. food for thought, because I'm just having a lot of fun thinking about how you solve this, if, if I'm being yeah. honest. And um, <clears throat> I remembered like when probably a few years back, maybe it's been five years. I don't know. I'm not dating myself either, hopefully. But, you know, I started seeing it like Kohl's and Nordstrom Rack and yeah. some of these places where maybe around the holidays they would have big sales or deals where all of the employees essentially became cashiers at any given time. Yes. So they would carry around these little like ability to train, you know, if you had a card and not cash, I can, I can uh, check you out right here. And yes. so whenever they would get a big bottleneck where they've got a, a whole bunch of people in line and maybe six cashiers, they yeah, yeah. bring five, six more on uh, and get rid of the bottleneck and move on to the next one. You know, I yeah, remember, yeah. I remember visibly seeing that and being like, wow, this is really innovative of them. And to do this. You know, what, they're, what they're ultimately doing is they're flattening the curve, right? They're flattening the curve and they're dispersing those payments away from kind of the central point of transaction to ensure mm. it doesn't overload or to ensure that they don't go out of sync, basically. And like conceptually, we do the same in some regard, right? But just think about it as... Yeah, just visibly, like, you know, visually seeing yeah. it, trying to figure out what's happening on the back end, yeah. um, just just yeah. making a little bit of relation to that. But I... It was as a customer. It was it was it was amazing. Oh, this guy's gonna help me right here. Like you know, it's great. Like, yeah, thank right. thank you. Like he shouldn't be folding clothes right now when there's two hundred people in line. Totally, like, you know, totally. Yeah. Um. So how we work, which kind of in theory relates or in, or, or in principle. So we are a high heat commerce platform built to manage. You know, the the biggest brands in the world sell the most in demand stuff, right? And how we work is, um. We scale when the frenzy ensues. We do a ton of kind of um, scammer and bot detection to understand signaling and to also upweight fans and downweight bad actors. Um, we facilitate payments at high pull through. We allow a retailer to ingest orders, you know, into their back end and then and then go through fulfillment from the um, retailer side or maybe from the consumer side. So um, consumer comes to a um, a retail branded looking pop-up page that showcases the product. And that might be a, a Tiffany's and Air Force One Nike sneaker. It might be a Crocs and Slaky Denbury collaboration. It might be a Sullivan's Cove um, heritage whiskey bottle, you know, worth thousands of dollars um, because they want that thing, right? And they've seen that thing, you know, historically because the retailer has promoted that thing and they've been on socials, they've seen it there and they want that thing. Um, and they go to that site um, and it looks like a branded experience, although it's either on launches.footlocker.com or it's on uh, footlocker.runfair.com. Runfair is our certification of fairness that some retailers are now using in their URL and it's a stamp on any site you see that's run by equal. And it's a moral code of conduct that's trademarked now across the world because fairness is at the epicenter of everything we do on the consumer promise. Okay. Um, 
they go to that site and they enter their details, including their credit card details, showing that they've got an intent to purchase a thing they're able to, right? Pop their details in, they receive an email in their inbox that comes from the, the retailer. It looks like it comes from the retailer that says, hey, Drew, thanks for entering um, for your chance to get your hands on the um, Crocs and Lightning McQueen collaboration. Stay tuned. We're going to let you know how you went. Um, our platform captures all the entry details. And what it's doing in real time is it's actually sizing up and signaling everyone that lands there. And it's going, how does Drew look? Like we're looking down his browser, we're looking at his payment ties, we're looking at how is he um, engaged on the platform before? We're looking at, does Drew look like that person over there and that person over there? And how do we do cohort analysis to make sure that, you know, there's some similarities. Hopefully there's a lot of difference. Otherwise we're starting to see signals of him trying to do funky things, right? We also mm -hmm. see like, is he using automation um, to actually enter? And we look at, you know, a ton of signals for Drew or for the, for the entrant. Um, there's a timer on the page. That timer either counts down or up. It's either like, hey, you, you need to get your entry in quick because this may close at any time. Or it's the opposite. We might do a five-hour drop, a three-day you know, a, a three -day drop. It all depends on how the retailer wants to use the timer as a, as a device to kind of drum up excitement around, around the product. Um, once that launch closes, um, consumer uh, or customer sits and waits to find out what happened. Um, and on the back end, um, basically, it's automated, but it's going through all the inventory that's available and it's looking at the interest and, you know, how many, how much, how much interest was there for either a size 10 of that shoe or how much interest was there for a size small of that t-shirt or how much interest was there for that bottle of, of whiskey? And it starts to debit sequential, like randomized order, but based on real fan first, right? And it'll go, Drew is a size, I haven't seen your feet, mate, but maybe they're a size 11. Okay, yeah. we could nearly. I got some. Them. I got some J's on. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, well like if you went for those, um, we actually probably sold those. But um, you, you, we go. Okay, Drew, size ten and a half. Yep, we've got inventory available. Does he look cool? Does he look like he's played fair? Yep. Okay, let's try to debit his card. Does his card allow us to debit? It should. We debit his card. We move on to the next until it sells through for the retailer. All the inventory is gone by this stage. Now you've received an email that says, "Drew, well done." You got your hands on the product you loved. You probably got an SMS that says from Foot Locker, right? Saying, hey, Drew, you know, well you done. You've been yep. selected. Yeah. You got your thing. Um, and <clears throat> after that's all finished, depending on the retailer we work with, we either automatically ingest data into their auto management system and warehousing, and that triggers the, 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 the postage, the product. Um, or, you know, we, we send them a, a flat CSV file that gets ingested into some auto management system that triggers it itself. Um, you as the consumer, uh, super happy you've got your hands on the products, but keeping in mind, like our products are super scarce, right? So there's probably 99% of folks that didn't get their hands on the products and they've received a, you know, sorry, you weren't able to get access to the product. The thing with our platform on the consumer side is every chance you, every time you um, enter a draw managed by equal or powered by equal, your chances increase the next time, right? So your chances increase until in theory you get your hands on products with this idea that you kind of like, you know, your, 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 chances, your chances get better, um, which is something we always thought would be really interesting for consumers there to kind of spread the love, you know, a lot more. On the retailer side, um, they've got access to a portal where they can actually pop in name of product, um, you know, images of that product. They can put in size skew and in, in inventory. They actually can do that at the end or at the start. Um, and basically they click publish and that spits out, you know, a, a branded looking product page 
but it's powered by our tech. So, you know, it, it, it looks like it's their experience. It can live on their site even, but if you hit that site with a whole bunch of traffic, their entire e-com portfolio is not going down. Their website is not going down and ours is built to not go down either. But it really quarantines and protects every, every other kind of e-com asset they've got in market. It's amazing. Um, then they, you know, they sit back and our platform captures all the demand. As I said before, you know, it's doing all the automated cyber and bot prevention and signaling. Um, it's doing all the scaling, sizing up and sizing down who looks like a real fan and who doesn't. And then when the retailer chooses, um, they click run payments, right? And payments are run based on the demand. And it should, in theory, sell through if the product is, is heat. Um, and then they get that order ingestion um, file. We give them live launch insights as well. So a whole bunch of data, right? When did the spike happen? What was the quality of the user at what time? How many time? bots were there? Like, How many you know... bots were there? What's the size skew interest? Like, is it a, a bots or, or are they interested in size 10? Because that's usually the highest value resale product um, size. Um, you know, how did, how did it all balance out? Um, the orders get pumped back into their order management system. That, that kind of does the fulfillment. The page no longer needs to exist now. It's kind of a, a, a part of history. Yeah, and then move on to the next launch. Uh, we also provide listing pages where, you know, some retailers out there at the moment, like Ama Manier, um, who uh, there's a few others that use our listing page. So we are the launches page on their website today. I love that. And thank you for explaining that. They're like, as someone that doesn't understand exactly what's happening on the back end, <clears throat> that makes a ton of sense to me um, and, and makes it clear to just understand, like, you know, what's going on. I've definitely experienced that. So, you know, I've probably bought from an equal site or a site using it. You know, um, yeah. my sister just joined and she said it was the first uh, one that she's won. Like, you know, she won one. Right. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, this is my first time of winning. Now I want to be like, well, if you keep trying, you're going to have a better chance. You know, is what keep I, at it. What, you know, kind of what I feel like saying. Um, yeah. So talk to me about um, this is probably out there and people don't even know that it's out there. You know, actually, yeah. before I go into this question, let's give us another shout out to our sponsor. Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to find your technical needs and then see what available testers, leaders, and developers are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Okay, so this is happening on sites like, you know, you don't necessarily know. It's probably like where capture comes up and the time comes up and there, there's all these things so that there's, mm -hmm. you know, not everyone's buying all of the product. No one wants to buy, you know, no artist wants to sell all the tickets to their show. And then no one comes because a bot bought them up. Like, That's right. You want real people there. You want people wearing the shoes. You don't want just a, a resale market that doesn't exist. Um, but, you know, uh, like as a talking point, like hype gets a bad rap. It can, yeah. you know, like, yeah, hype, totally. oh, you're a hype man, or you're like, you're just hyping me up, or like, you know, yeah. the way that we use it in, in urban urban culture. Um, yep. But in marketing, it's a great way to promote a new product, you know, and you can use influencers, you can use like, you know, commercials, you can use like limited demand. Like, can you explain just in common, common terms, like what a hype drop is? Yeah. So, you know, we either call it hype, scarcity, in-demand products. It's, it's ultimately where, um, you know, demand exceeds supply, right? When, you know, there's a short, a small amount of product for a large amount of audience that desperately wants that product. Um, the nature of that means that there's usually a lucrative resale market. So all of a sudden your audience kind of dynamic changes. So for a hyped product, you've not only got the Drews that want the tickets to the concert, 
but you've also got, you know, reseller scalpers, bots and the like who want to buy a whole bunch more of that inventory because they could sell it for more and make margin on it. And and I should preface this by saying I'm actually not anti-resale, right? Like I actually think um, you get a thing that you don't want, you should be able to sell it, right? And if you can make money on it, go for gold, right? Like that, that that's totally fine. I'm more, um, and what we try to stop is people clearing out 100 pairs, you know, 50, 50 tickets, like the volumes of things where it feels, you know, unfair. Um, but to your question, the nature of heat and the nature of hype is, is a supply and demand equation. And when the um, demand exceeds the supply by far, that's when you need us. That's when Equal kicks into gear because Equal can not only um, manage, you know, I, I think about it like this, like we manage 100,000 people storming a venue, right? But we're the tech version of that. Um, we manage, we ensure that of those 100,000 people, you know, they're your fans. Everyone's right? getting the metal detector. Everyone's yeah. getting patted down. Everyone has That's a right. ticket, you know, all those things. All those things. Now for a brand, like as you touched on, high heat and the um, optics of heat are amazing, right? It's a marketing strategy. It's an, an amazing one. Some products naturally lend themselves to it and some products don't, right? And and we see it, right? Like our product goes nuts and that the frenzy ensues and the hype is is there. When the product touches a certain emotional connection with that end user, it, it hits a, a passion. It's at the epicenter of the zeitgeist. It resonates with like a cultural moment. You know, you, you it's very hard to contrive. It's amazing when you land it. It can flop when it doesn't, right? Um, um, you know, so I think there is a lot of strategy that goes into ensuring it. There are categories that naturally lend itself to that. Like there's, uh, there's the OG categories, ticketing. OG and collectibles, you know, and we're actually launching with a bunch of collectibles and cards and stuff in the next week or two. Um, but, um, you know, but then you've got fads, you know, fashion trends where some things are sustained, some things goes in cycles, some things have their moment in the sun and then they disappear. Um, you know, for a marketer, um, it's, it's a delight when you land it. It's a misery when you try to land it, but you miss it. Yeah, I think I'm definitely, I, t- I mean, I love a good hype launch. Like, and it's something I've been learning with big influencers. Like we've worked with Kevin Hart and Bobby Parrish and Nikita Dragon and, and some of these big players where, you know, if they, if they get on their socials and they're talking about a drop, it's going to be hyped. It's going to be hyped up. It's going to be hot. It's going to work. Um, in general, I am more of a long game strategist, like don't play for the hype. Like let's build something sustainable and long lasting. And in general, that's the way I go because I'm like, I don't want to be rejected or I don't want to fail. I know that if we just build this over time, you know, it's, 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 it's more of a risk to put it out there and be like, look, we're going to shut this down. It could keep selling, but I'm going to just tell you guys that we're out after we're out, you know, you know, it it takes a different kind of, different kind of totally. brand i think to, to do that well, there's a there's a brand here in kansas city a female founder that just kills it i mean oh yeah hundred thousand dollar drops you know or yeah like, yeah, you know, wow. just yeah. Not, like uh maybe even bigger than that just big ones clothing right and she just yeah. she's just crushing it maybe i need to make an introduction even yes please um but you- it's something something that i've been watching i've just been watching her crush it been watching her do her thing and and um very 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 successful if they're doing yeah. it right there are some brands that have mastered the art you know, in a really fascinating way. Like, you know, to, to, for context of who we work with, we work with Crocs Global. You know, we, we do every collaboration and drop that Crocs has that's high heat across the world in probably 12 markets. 
we work with um, Foot Locker across the world, other than the US actually, but we work with them across Europe and Asia, um, Australia as well. Um, we've recently did the Tiffany's and Air Force One um, drop they did um, early on in, in March. Um, you know, worked with that group out of, out of New York. We do a whole bunch of heritage whiskey. We work with um, oh, Atmos, Extra Butter, Undefeated, um, Stashed out of um, San Francisco. We work with, you know, a whole bunch of these uh, Mr. Winston Apparel in Australia, Culture Kings, Fast Times, Skate Brands, you know, the, the works. Um, and, and the thing you realise is that um, brands know how to build the, 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 the kind of the mechanics and know how to like work the muscle to create these types of moments. Um, and the ones that get it really right, um, really, get it, really get it right often um um like crocs like they're a fantastic brand right and 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 like you know some people kind of are shocked when i went you know because they think of crocs as this you know in their mind this kind of shoe that did they wear would they ever wear it but like um they have in theory reinvented themselves time and time again with the collaborations they do um their collaborations are unreal like they go nuts yeah um i also find their shoes relatively comfy and i actually quite love them but um but they are so finger on the pulse in terms of what's going down in, in the world, understand who the right people are to be partners with, know the right brands to partners with, know the right moment, you know, that, that they need to kind of put, put their foot on the gas and work with, with someone or something or a rapper or an artist. Um, incredible business, you know, doing exceptionally well. Um, you look at also some other, um, you know, collaborations out there. Like we did work with Joe Freshgoods and New Balance recently. He's a continuous collaborator of New Balance and he gets it right every time. Um, he knows, right? New he Balance is one of the ones that continually reinvents themselves, in my opinion. Reinvent themselves all the time. Nike, like, I mean, we sell a lot of Nike products. Um, and, and you know, like they've, they've, they've been around for a really long time and they continuously land some of the most high heat products in the market. We just did a Travis Scott um, launch uh, last week, you know, with seven or eight retailers out of the U S and the new, uh, the new, um, the lows or the yeah, like, did. yeah, yeah. The yeah old, they got the, the Travis lows. Scott's right. The lows, I think is yeah, the ones yeah. I saw come out. Yeah. That's right. So we dropped that for, <clears> you know, a whole bunch of retailers, um, exhibition, stashed uh we dropped them for undefeated we dropped them for a whole bunch of retailers right and and like they've got that right time and time again we've dropped the trap scott club before a few times every time we sit there and we we are blown away by how much demand there is for a limited amount you know of inventory right they, they've landed that and they've landed that since the day it started i mean speaking of the cactus jacks like yeah i uh was given them as a gift they were yeah lightly used but basically brand new they were given to me yeah. as a gift from the guy getting married he's like thanks yeah. for being in i was the best man thanks for being my wedding uh, i wasn't expecting it. he's like here's some shoes he knew i like shoes and uh i didn't know that they were the cactus jacks when i first got them okay i just thought yeah. they were dope jordans with with pink sh shoelaces on yes yeah and uh so i am not a very materialistic guy i like brand but it's like i don't really want the name on it all the place you know like yeah, i'm very yeah, subtle yeah. about it what i like and uh but never have I ever had more compliments from strangers ever, <laughs> ever, ever in my life, even with a beautiful girl on my arm or something like it's not as many compliments like as when I'm wearing those shoes. And yeah. I think that there, there's something to be said, like it just kind of honestly, like the Cactus Jacks have changed my perspective of 
why people are into shoes as much as they are or into these different things. Like it's like literally having a good beard and then having other guys like stop you and tell you like, man, I love your beard. Like you have a great beard. Like I wish I could grow a beard like that. You know, it's like, Oh, this yeah. is a, it's an, it's an excuse for this guy to like say something nice or just be polite or be a human. You know, it's just an, ex- yeah. it's an excuse. Right. But yeah. these shoes, like I've never had more love. Like I literally yeah. get love. From wearing these shoes uh <laughs> when you're feeling down you pop them on and you just kind of walk I, straight it's so almost uncomfortable because i'm just like i want people to know like i didn't spend two grand on these shoes yeah, yeah, i didn't yeah. I, I didn't spend two grand on these shoes i didn't spend two grand on these shoes because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm humble in that way you know i don't i don't, yeah. I don't want someone to think that you know and, and uh but i'm always like they're a gift they're a gift they're a yeah. gift they're a gift you know and it allows me to kind of flex them but really honestly like that's the those shoes like open my mind just in regards to like the this culture this subculture that exists you know the thing about it which i think is fascinating we've done a bunch of work on the like psychology of hype right like how people feel about the things that maybe they never knew about but all of a sudden they're interested in and i think like i don't know if you recall the omega swatch launch that happened uh probably 12 months ago right um um, swatch came out and they did a collaboration with omega um and it was um and it was a absolute it was it was kind of in-demand commerce on heat on the front page of the press because they didn't announce when it was happening. And then they launched this watch, which looked like a beautiful, expensive premium Omega, but it was kind of built out of swatch plastic, right? And so you got the benefit of the premium brand, but you got it at an affordable price. That was a swatch okay. price, right? Uh, um, it was called the, the Moonwatch. Moonwatch. Okay. Um, and I was getting phone calls from people that are not interested in in anything like that watches sneakers alike they're like oh, i was i was at my local um shopping mall and i saw this chaotic line these crowds swarming the swatch watch the swatch store so i joined them right i joined them i'm like do you like anything to do with that stuff they're like no nah. but i tried to get the yellow one i like the yellow one is the worst of the whole bunch right um and and you realize that humans do have buried within them the desire to have some kind of currency right to have some social credit and some currency and and when the moment arises and they see other people they admire or they like or they're interested in chase the thing and they all of a sudden realize without knowing it they're joining that line that's kind of what drives this type of behavior online it drives this behavior in store it drives this behavior of frenzy right there's there is within you whether you admit it or not a little bit of chasing the social status and the currency that other people have around you. Yeah. And a little like, bit of FOMO, a little bit of what do I not know? You know, totally. And you, you and I, like, I'm not like, I'm not dissimilar to you. Like I, I, I would be embarrassed if I wore those shoes and someone thought I spent two grand on them. Like that's, I, I just couldn't do that. Right. Um, and, and I would, you know, I, I would say like, that doesn't interest me. That, that, but then, then I find myself like, you know, for our launches, we, we, they're called run, they're run fair, which is our trademark. I'm not allowed to get access to any product, right? I'm at the bottom of the line, like everyone else, right? So I enter, you know, launches, like everyone else enters launches. And I am in a frenzy when I'm like refreshing my browser and trying to enter the thing. And in those moments, I like take a look at myself and I ask myself, like, am, I, am I, am I that guy? But that's the behavior that is drawn out of people in these moments that we try to solve for that e-com does not solve for right that, well, that standard you wouldn't have been the guy to build it if you didn't understand it you know that's it that's it oh. but people are funny and they're fascinating and they're really interesting and that's what drives ultimately the need for us no i think it's absolutely amazing and as much as people hate amazon 
for example, there's a lot of people that just, ah, Amazon, Amazon. I am the person building the small brands or big brands on Amazon that are making them national. And um, so there's a love-hate. Like, I'm the best at it maybe in the world. Yeah. I think as, as a, on a team, like, we're the best at what we do. Um, we grow brands. We we get things in front of people that want them, that love them. You know, the whole process of it from the reviews, to it's less hype-driven, but it's very much like I am the consumer that I solve for, you know, yeah. uh, myself. And, uh, I want the best experience. Like I speak on emotional, uh, creating emotional content, you know, on yeah. Amazon, on the platform. How do you do that on a platform that's kind of controlled and what you can do? And, and so, yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's an art. Right. And, uh, when you really get it right, you create that emotional connection of wanting, or I'm going to be better if I have this, or I'm going to be more beautiful if I have this, or I'm going to be more fulfilled if I have this, or, this is going to make my niece love me because I'm yes. buying the perfect gift or, totally. you know, whatever it might be. Like, how do you yeah. create that emotional um, impulse or connection? Because yeah. uh, first the emotional connection happens and then the logic is next that says, OK, let me justify why I need to buy this. Yes. Uh, you know, and, but but at first they're like, I feel it. I feel like this is what I want. OK, like what, how does my logic say? Yes, you have enough money or no, you don't have enough white T-shirts or whatever the case might be but the human behavior side behind it is is i think a lot of fun and everyone loves a little game i think totally. you know there's there's a side of us all of us that like to it's a little playful to yes even to lose you might be frustrated but uh you know playing the game getting in line trying to get a limited amount like it's cool yeah i agree totally and i think it'll last forever you know yeah i think it'll, i think it's, and it's not going anywhere it's just going to repurpose how we do it you know and um we're coming up on time so I love to end the show with just two straightforward questions. Just one is, what is something that you're excited about that you're working on with Equal? And uh, then as Andrew, uh, like a, the person, the man, what's something that you're working on or that you're like pushing towards this year that you're excited about? Yeah, so for Equal, so COVID was a wild ride for retail in, in ups and downs. Um, but what it didn't do is it didn't allow for communities to gather around retail stores and experiences and really actually jam together and bond over the things they love. Um, and as COVID has kind of slowed down or at least not become such a pressure on retail, you know, retailers out there want to open up stores and drive this kind of, and I hate using the phrase, but omni-channel, right? Drive from online to in-store, um, get people kind of together again. And we're spending a lot of time actually working out ways to supercharge that retail in-store experience with launches. So how do you take the online experience, drive traffic into the store and join the two in magical ways that get people who love things chatting about that thing again and engaging Taking on pictures, that thing. showing it off, having yeah. combos, yeah. Because, you know, for retail and definitely for the retailers we, we work with, you know, it is a lot about community and it's a lot about locals. And it's a lot about their retail space and it's a lot about joining the dots between all of them. And so you'll see shortly that we start going um, and releasing features that go a lot deeper to like human connections and expression. That's so that's going to be big awesome. Thing where, where can I follow along to, to see that if I'm not just like the customer, like waiting on this stuff to happen and then not knowing that it's really equal? Like how can I just kind of follow along with what you guys are doing? Yeah, Instagram's where a lot of the action okay. happens. So equal official. If you look that up, you'll find our okay. account there and there's a lot of fun stuff. We announce our customers, the products we work on, all that stuff. So check it out. Um, in terms of what I'm working on, I'm going to give you a super boring answer. Um, but 
you know, I'm a, I'm a father of three, uh, ranging from I've got a seven year old, a four year old, and a one year old. Um, I need to get. I'm trying to get back to basics, like work a little less, get more mm. sleep, eat a little better, do a bit of exercise. I've decided I'm giving up on anything that goes beyond that breathing exercises, meditation, any of that. I've just realized like if I can't get the basics right, the world is not going to be Why doing enjoy, all the extra enjoying stuff? my, you know, enjoying me. So, and my wife will start to hate me. So um, for me, it's actually about just going back to basics this year and actually kind of resetting, um, you know, startup world is a wild ride and it's a roller coaster, and I, and I love it. Um, but boy, there's, you know, a lot of ups and downs. And I think you ride the ups and downs if you're not kind of calibrated a little bit. And it's time to it's time to recalibrate so that I can enjoy the highs. I don't, you know, I don't feel the lows too much, and keep it a little bit consistent. And then also, like, um, you know, the, the the people around me, whether it's our team or my family, they need to enjoy having me having me around. And um, I want to ensure that I'm I'm giving the best I can, you know, to to everyone around. So that's where I'm I'm focusing for the next twelve months. Beautiful. I think that's, it's a beautiful yeah. answer and uh, something very uh, noble, but like it's a must as an entrepreneur. I think balance can be 100 to zero sometimes where you're just all in on the startup or all in on, you know, whatever it is you're doing. And and as soon as you can, you get back to a, a different level of all in, you know, uh, and what that yeah. looks like. But I think to do anything great, sometimes you have to be great and to be great, you got to be extreme and to be extreme. Uh, you don't have time to walk the dog and plant the flowers yeah. and work out and eat five meals a day that are meal prepped. And, you know, so take it easy on yourself a little bit. And then just, you know, I think the healthy thing is to say, okay, how do I get my habits back? That's um, right. You know, getting back to normal, but nothing was ever made from, from being mediocre and going through right. everything as mediocre, you know? So uh, to my listeners out there, I am definitely someone that thinks that balance comes in waves. And uh, sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, I've told my partner before, like, I just need six months uh, to like hold on to these reins and get the business back where I need it to be. And then I'm going to be the best business partner, uh, on this other, this other side, like that I can be, but this business right here needs my attention, my full attention. And, but I'm, I'll be back, you know, and, yeah, and uh, meaning totally. like my balance or my ability to help in some of those other things. So hopefully the wifey is giving you a little bit of slack, uh, seven, uh, yeah. four and one is, uh, <laughs> seven, four and one, you've got your hands full. So I uh, appreciate you getting up this early to be on the show, sharing what you guys are doing there with Equal Your Own Story. Um, it's been awesome. I don't get to talk about sneakers and fashion that much, so that was fun for me too. Um, really appreciate having you on the show. Thanks, Drew. It was awesome joining you. Thanks for having me. Of course. And shout out again to our sponsor, Fullscale.io. Um, they have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit Fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions, let the platform match you up with a fully vetted, highly experienced team, of engineers, testers, and leaders at FullScale. They specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Uh, without our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to promote this show for free and get awesome talent and, and really get the um, the reach that we want to get. The, the, uh, the Startup Hustle community is now, I think we're almost over 300,000 listeners a month. So um, thanks again to our sponsors for making all of this possible and, and allowing us to get on here and give you guys some free content that we hope you guys can enjoy and put to work. If you guys are a brand dealing with hype launches, you know uh, you need to talk to Andrew and his team and kind of figure out how they can help you. We talked about where you are on Instagram. Where else can people get in contact with you, Andrew? 
yeah, um, you can hit me on LinkedIn as well. Just DM me on LinkedIn. Um, happy to chat there. I've tried Twitter a lot. I'm just a, a watcher on Twitter. Unfortunately, I don't do too well on it. So hit me on LinkedIn as well. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Hustlers. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.